0: This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Today, I want to minister about first the attack and then the blessing. Now you might say, well, pastor, why are you coming here and dealing with that? Well, it's more of a pastoral message this morning. Tonight and tomorrow night I'll be dealing more with revival-type messages. But this is something that I find that God's people are going through. And it's something that you can't avoid. How many of you believe in satanic attacks? How many of you know that you've ever been under a satanic attack before? Well, I used to believe that God would bless and the devil would come to steal that blessing. I don't believe that anymore. Let me tell you what I know. Now I have learned that before the blessing comes, that's when the devil will attack you. And I wanna say this, everything is proportionate. If you're going through a little attack, you got a little blessing coming. If you're going through a, 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 a mediocre attack, you got a mediocre blessing coming. If you're gonna go through hell, go through it right. Get you a major blessing. But it's first the attack and then the blessing. The devil will hit you because he's trying to knock you out and get you to behave in such a way that when the blessing comes, it will have spoiled the blessing. The devil's attacking you like that to get you to change your behavior, to get you to pout, to get you to pout with God, to get you offended with God, get you hurt with God. So when the blessing comes, you're not going to be there to enjoy it. But I want to tell you something. If you're going through an attack, hunker down, keep your mouth shut. The blessing is right at the door. Amen. Come on now. So today, I want to minister to you on the subject of 10 things you need to know about a satanic attack. I'm not going to be able to go through all 10 of them, so I'd like to encourage you to pick up the product. I believe you'll really, really enjoy it and listen to it over and over, and I believe you'll also pass it on to a friend. So um, let me get started. If you will, stand with me, please. I'm just going to read one verse of Scripture, but I always like to stand to salute the Word of God anytime that we take our text. Now, this is a Scripture that I chose on purpose. It says this in Proverbs 2.11. It says, discretion shall preserve you, understanding shall keep you let's look at it one more time discretion shall preserve you understanding shall keep you one of my major jobs as a pastor of a church is to help people have understanding about what's happening to them if you ever have things happen to you and you don't understand it the devil will torment you with it so today that's why i'm choosing to deal with 10 things you need to know about a satanic attack. I'll probably get through five or six of them, no more than that, today. My time, I I wanna be conscientious of the time and we wanna have time to pray with people here at the end of the service. But um, you may be seated. I'm going to go ahead and get right into the message. There's some things that you go through That you just can't explain. Say that out loud with me. There's some things that I go through that I just can't explain. Say it with me again, please. There's some things that I go through that I just can't explain. God the Holy Spirit can give you spiritual understanding that will keep you and give you peace while you're going through an attack, a divine impartation of understanding the devil before i get into my points the devil has 3 reasons why he's attacking you number 1 he wants you to get offended with god when you get offended with god you get quiet when you get offended with god you get slack in going into your prayer closet because you're thinking well What good does prayer do? Look where it got me. I'm going through this hell and God didn't help me. I don't know what's going on. You feel, what's the use? God didn't help me. God didn't keep me from this. You avoid church attendance. You see others that got a great testimony, but you feel like God didn't do what you wanted him to do. You feel like he let you down. The second reason the devil attacks you Is because he knows that he can't stop God's blessing in your life so he attempts to spoil it number three as I said a while ago everything is proportionate God will not let you be tempted above what you're able to bear he keeps it down slightly below what you're able to bear he won't let it go above it so whenever there's something that's working in your life you see Satan is not omniscient like God is that means he's all-knowing, he's not omnipotent, that means God's all-powerful, and he's not omnipresent, which means that God is everywhere at one time, he's omnipresent, Satan is none of those things. But he is supernatural, and he can see when God is up to something in your life, because whatever God does, God usually hovers first. Before God does something, he usually hovers. The Bible said in the book of Genesis that the spirit hovered around the earth and then God spoke, but the spirit hovered first. Satan can see the spirit of God hovering over you and he knows something's about to happen. That's why he attacks you. He can see that the Holy Spirit is up to something. Satan can see when the Holy Spirit is hovering over a church. He knows when God's about to do something in that church And he hovers, and that's when he attacks the church because Satan doesn't want that church to be used and to be effective in the kingdom of God. He doesn't want revival to come. He's going to do everything he can to get the church to behave in such a way as to keep revival delayed. So, let me get into the ten things right quick. The first thing I want to say to you in regard to a satanic attack is... If you have more than one child, if you have two children, five children, however many you have, the child that seems to stay in the most trouble is the one that God's hand usually rests upon. Come on, give God praise. I said the child that stays in trouble the one that stays in the principal's office, the one that fights, the ones that you have to correct all the time, the one you have to keep an eye on, that's usually the one that God's got his hand on. There's people right now in prison that the hand of God is upon them and when they get out of prison, God's gonna greatly use them like they've never been used before and they wound up there because the devil chose them, the devil chose to attack them. In my hand, I have a hundred dollar bill, keep your seat. (laughs) And I have a one dollar bill. I have a hundred dollar bill and a one dollar bill. Now God does not love anybody more than he loves another one. But when it comes to children that are born, when a child is born, you can't tell me that Satan and the demonic spirits don't know when a child is born, that that child has harvest value. In other words, when that child is born, the hand of God is on him to be an evangelist. The hand of God is on him to be a healing, person used in healing. The hand of God is upon that young girl, and she's going to be a deliverer. When a child is born, just like when Jesus was born, the Bible says that Herod started killing all the young children because he was searching to kill the future king, Jesus. And Jesus escaped, of course, but he killed everybody below the age of three. And whenever a child is born, God doesn't love one child more than he does another child, but each child that's born has a different value on their life called a harvest value. That means they're gonna be used in the harvest, the last day harvest. And if I held up a $1 bill or a $100 bill, and I said, come up here and go after the bill that you won't I would still have this when everybody's seated you'd go after the hundred dollar bill wouldn't you well that's what Satan does whenever he sees your child is born and he has harvest value or she has harvest value the devil's going to go after that child and he's going to attack that child because he's going to do his very best that he can to keep that child from ever moving in what God has for them and their destiny But I wanna tell you right now, if you have a child that's causing you heartache and grief and they've been diagnosed with all kinds of things, I wanna tell you, just relax. It usually doesn't mean that much. It just means that God's got his hand on them. They're gonna be a leader. They're gonna be powerful. They're gonna come against the devil in his kingdom. Keep praying for them. Keep lifting them up. God is gonna raise him and her up to do damage in the kingdom of the devil. Come on, give God praise. The second thing that I want to tell you is that many times the, the name that you name a child usually has a lot to do with how Satan attacks them. I don't know about you, but I'm a preacher and I like to name my kids Bible names, amen? I don't like to name them Sheila, Bill, you know. Those are okay, those are names, but you know, when you're a Christian, you want to name your kid after somebody that was powerful in the Bible. You know, you name them, John. (laughs) You, You name them, Andrew, you name them, Luke, and you name them, names like that. You know, you name them, Elizabeth and Mary and names like that because you want them to live up to that name. But many times the name that you name a child has a lot to do with how the devil's gonna attack that child. Let me give you an example. Years ago, there was a child born in Oklahoma. Back in those days, children were born at home. And uh, people came by on Saturday to visit this mother and dad. They were pastors. And she had given birth that week and they came by on Saturday to see the newborn baby. And so she walked out and she had the baby wrapped up in her arms as she walked out. And when she walked out, they said, Mama, what you gonna name your child? She said, his name shall be called Oral. Oral, O-R-A-L. Now, I've known several Elvises before, but I've never known another child named Oral. She named him Oral Roberts. Her and her husband were pastors, and she named him Oral Roberts. Well, if your name is Oral, what does that mean? It means we named him Oral because we believe God has raised him up to put the word of God in his mouth. We believe he's gonna be a herald that will preach the word. And we believe that God's gonna use him. So from the moment she named him Oral, the devil went to work on him. And what did the devil do? He attacked him in two ways. He attacked him in his tongue by stuttering and he attacked him in his lungs by tuberculosis. What's the devil trying to do? He's trying to stop that kid, why? Because mama's already got an inroad. She said, God's gonna raise my child up and use him in the last days. And when he was 17 years old, old Roberts was laying at home dying of tuberculosis. And he had gone past where they could take him and put him in these iron lungs and helped save his life that way. He was dying in his bedroom and they had an old coffee can by the bed and he was coughing and spitting up pieces of his lungs in that coffee can. And while he lay there on Saturday, his sheets were bloody, the quilt was bloody on the bed. He had spit up so much of his lungs in that coffee can. He was dying, life was ebbing away from him. An evangelist came by the home of Oral Roberts' mother and dad. And he said, I've come by to see Oral today and pray for him. He was 17. And he said, I know that God's got his hand on him. And I wonder, would you let me in back there where I can lay hands on him and pray for him? The evangelist went in back there, walked up to the bed, laid hand on Oral Roberts. Immediately, the power of God touched him. By supper time, he was sitting up on the side of the bed eating supper that his mother brought to him on a plate. God raised up Oral Roberts and used him to go forth in America in tent revivals back in the early years. I didn't know much about him in the latter years, but in the early years, he went around in tent revivals and he was preaching divine healing. And it all started when his mother said, his name shall be called Oral. And the devil attacked him. He was a stutterer could hardly talk without stuttering and he had tuberculosis in his lungs. Just here's what I want to tell you before I leave this subject. Whatever you have named your child, you named them in good faith. You looked up the definition of that name before you named them and God is faithful, God is gonna let your child come to the inheritance of who you named him, and God is gonna raise him and her up, and they're gonna do damage in these last days to the kingdom of Satan. Give God praise, come on. (laughs) Satan usually, number three, will move against you when he sees something very powerful is about to happen in your life. When the devil knows something imminent is about to happen, that's when he'll move against you. I remember when we first started praying for revival at Brownsville. We started praying and it felt like revival was right at the door. We continued to pray two and a half years later, it still hadn't broke out. And what seemed like it was imminent at the beginning when we first started praying, now two and a half years later, it seemed like it would never happen. I became discouraged. I called different Assemblies of God district superintendents. I asked if they had any churches open. I was gonna leave Brownsville because I felt like my ministry there was up. I did not know in a matter of weeks revival was gonna break out at Brownsville and it was gonna touch the nations of the world what was happening. I was right on the verge of something very powerful happening and the devil was taking his crowbar and trying to pry me out before that happened. Satan could tell that God was about to do something. And I wanna say this to you and please listen to me. You've been praying about things and other people's been praying for you. You've been praying about things and it seems like it's never gonna happen. When we first started praying for revival, it seemed like it was imminent and it wasn't. We kept praying and it seemed like it never happened, and it was right at the door. So here's the moral of the story. If you're praying about something, and it feels like it's about to happen, it's probably not. But if you're praying about things, and it feels like it'll never happen, I assure you it's right at the door. Keep on praying. God is going to come through, and God will answer your prayer. He is not a man. God is faithful, and he will answer every prayer that you pray. Can you say amen? Amen. When right at the door... The devil will take his crowbar and he'll try to pry you out right before the blessing comes. I want to say this also. One of the things you need to understand about a satanic attack is that whenever you're attacked by the devil, Satan is not going to use a stranger. He's going to use somebody close to you. Oh, that hit a nerve, didn't it? Now we get to rise out of you. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit. I said, whenever the devil attacks, he's not gonna use a stranger because that wouldn't matter to you anyway. He's gonna use somebody that you broke bread with. He's gonna use somebody that was a close bosom buddy. He's gonna use somebody that was a female friend of yours, sweetheart, and you shared with her your deepest innermost secrets. That's the one the devil will get to betray you. David said in Psalms 41 and verse 9, Yea, my own familiar friend in whom I trusted and did eat my bread has lifted up his heel against me. When Satan attacks you, it usually will be those that's closest to you. When Jesus got ready to go to the cross, it wasn't a stranger out there that betrayed him. It wasn't one of the Sanhedrin It wasn't one of the Pharisees, that didn't matter. It was the one that he dipped the sop with. Judas betrayed him and Peter denied him. The greatest event in history. And Jesus went through betrayal and denial right at the last minute, right when he was getting ready to purchase our salvation. Usually, right before you come into your greatest success, you will have a betrayal or you will have someone that will deny you and it will try, the devil will try to break your heart. And what he's trying to do is, he's trying to get you to behave so badly when your heart is broken, that you get offended with God and it postpones your blessing from coming through. Let me say this to you again. When you're going through hell, duck your head shut your mouth, and wait till it's over because the blessing is coming. Now let me share this point with you. This is very important. You might be saying, well, Brother Kilpatrick, how long will it be? How long will I have to go through this? When I first <coughs> started going through the Brownsville Revival, I was come under attack. I wouldn't into an arena of attack I had never been in before. It was amazing the attack of the devil. It was it was just mind-boggling how the devil would how he had attacked and the methods that he used. And I'd never been in that arena before. I'd been a pastor for many years, but I'd never been thrown into that kind of a level of attack. It was a it was just breathtaking. It was mind-boggling. And then whenever I as continued on in revival, we were there five years in revival, and it got to where the attacks that I would go through would last for months, and then there at the end, it got to where my attacks that I would go through lasted about two years apiece. Each attack had about a two-year span to it. And there's been times that I went through things, and here I am, the pastor of the church, People's coming from all over the world to the church where I pastor. And they're being blessed, they're being saved, they're being healed, they're being called to the ministry, baptized in the Holy Spirit, all kinds of things. And I'm sitting on the platform and I don't hardly know my name because I'm going through a level of attack I've never been through before. And I'm in such a storm, such a swirl of satanic attack, I don't even hardly know my name. I'm sitting on the platform, I look fine. I'm dressed up in a suit. Everybody looks at me and they think I'm normal. The evangelist is there, he's dressed up in a suit. He looks normal, he's preaching. He's going through a level of attack he's never been through before. One day, I was going through an attack and as I told you there at the end, it got to where the attacks lasted about a two year span and I was praying and I said, God! How long? It's not fair for somebody to have to live under this. God, it's not fair. I mean, you're moving in the church. People's coming from all over the world. What's going on with me? Why am I going through this? And you know, the Lord said something to me that I never forgot. And I wanted to share it with you in this message. The Lord said, well, son, he said, you go into a grocery store and you pick up a can and it has on that can or you go to the poultry market you go to the meat market and you pick up a steak you pick up wieners whatever you pick up it has a date on there that says eat before such and such a date in other words that product has a shelf life on it what the Lord said to me was every trial you go through has a shelf life it will not go one day longer come on now It will not go one day longer. In other words, the devil's got so long and God won't let him go any longer. But if you realize when you're going through hell, this thing has a shelf life, I'm gonna last through the whole shelf life and when this is over, I'm gonna shout and rejoice and God is gonna be with me and this thing is gonna be finished. And let me tell you something else. When you go through hell and it feels like it'll never end, After it's over, and it's been over a week or two, it'll feel like you've never even been through that time. That's how good God is. That's how quick God will heal your heart. I went through a time one time in my ministry where I pastored in Indiana, and I was there three years. I was there right before revival broke out at Brownsville. I pastored three years there. It was a very troubled church. And man, I went through all kinds of stuff. And it just felt like it would never end. And then after it ended and I moved to Brownsville, I hadn't been at Brownsville a month. And the things that I went through in that last church, I had to really strain my mind to remember the people's names that did those bad things against me. And whenever I was going in it, whenever I was in the middle of it, I knew their names. I even knew how many hairs was on their head, you know. I knew everything about them. But when it's over, God comes in after you go through it and you get the victory God comes in and heals that, and you can't hardly remember the details. I just want to say this to you right now in the name of Jesus. If you're going through hell, it's not going to last forever. As a matter of fact, I believe God sent me here this morning to let you know it's almost over while I'm preaching to you. It's almost over while I'm preaching to you. God is about to give you the victory, and when it's over, you won't even remember the details of it. God is going to bring you through in flying colors. Whoa. Oh man, lift your hands and praise him. I feel him here this morning. Come on, lift your hands up, lift your voice. Shata Stand up just for a minute, I feel this. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, lift your voice. Let the devil know you mean business today. I said it's almost over, it ain't got much longer. There's not much life left in it. God has come to bring you the victory today. You're gonna step over into a new realm, rejoice. Be praised. I got a feeling, I got a feeling, I got a feeling. You're about to walk out of this church into a brand new world. You're going to leave all things behind. Behold, all things are new. You're gonna leave that satanic attack behind like a cocoon behind you. You're gonna fly away like a butterfly. God's got new things in store for you. You may be seated. Woo! Woo! Oh my God, I feel this. It's a pa-pa-pa. Stand up one more time. It's no accident that you're here this morning. God wanted you to hear this. That thing's got a shelf life. It's about. It's about to expire. I said that damnable thing is about to expire. Let's try being seated again. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. The devil thought he had got you, didn't he? The devil thought he had your child, didn't he? I've come here today to tell you everything's got a new perspective. That child, oh, that child is going to be raised up. And used by God in ways that you can't imagine. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Woo! Woo. Holy Ghost. <sighs> I know what you mean that's what church should be all about people just come in and explode and just tell God how you feel about just explode on him tell him praise him you can't do that at work but you can in the house of God well let me cover this other point with you angels I just finished a message in my church last Friday night if you would like to order it we just got it ready it took us a while to get it ready I was at home on the 19th of December and I went to the restroom about three o'clock in the morning and I laid down the bed and I was going back to sleep and I just turned over and when I turned over it was like I turned over into another world it was amazing I didn't see an angel. I didn't see the Lord. I I didn't hear anything in my ears, but I turned over into another world. And for lack of a better word to use, I'll have to use a word that I don't want to use. It was like telepathy. It was like the Lord was speaking to me, but I didn't hear his voice, but I knew he's speaking to me and showing me. And the Lord said that in this decade, he said that darkness is going to change from darkness to gross darkness but he said don't be concerned and tell my people not to be concerned he said because the angels are coming the angels are coming he said the angels are coming and they're coming to help in ways that they haven't helped yet they've always been here but they're about to come in mass because things are going to get so desperate that the angels of God are going to have to come and help us out shut up up, up, up. so let me tell you this about a satanic attack I, I began reading in the Bible as I was preparing this message let me tell you how I got this message I dreamed and when I dreamed I saw myself preach the first half of this message and I thought it was the whole message and when I woke up I always have a legal pad by my bed and a pen and so when I dreamed I woke up and I wrote down every one of these points that I just shared with you wrote down every one of the points and I thought that was it went to bed the next night and dreamed the second half I saw myself up preaching this sermon to God's people and I I, I woke up and made the other points one of the points that I made is this one and this has really encouraged me The next point is angels are ready to come to your aid and minister to you when you exit your trial, your temptation, or your attack. Now, let me share something with you. You know as well as I do that Jesus is king. There's none greater than him. He has a name that's above every name. He's the paschal lamb. He shed his blood for our sins. There's nobody above Jesus. Say that with me. There's nobody (laughs) above Jesus. But what is it about him that whenever in Gethsemane he drank that cup and after he drank that cup, the Bible says that angels came in Luke chapter 22, angels came to Jesus and strengthened him. Now Jesus knows the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of the triune Godhead. The Holy Spirit, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus, God the Father is the paternal. Jesus is like the brother and the Holy Spirit is like the mother, the maternal. Holy Spirit watches over you, broods over you, stays close to you, cares for you guides you, comfort you. The Father is the one that is in charge. Jesus is the brother, one that sits closer than a brother. And Jesus is self-contained. He is the Almighty God. He's self-contained. Now, isn't it interesting that whenever he went through Gethsemane, the Bible said it was such a stress on him. When he drank that cup, it was such a stress that his sweat... Became like drops of blood. He went through hell. And he's the one we look to. He's our intercessor. He intercedes for us. But he needed angels to come and touch him. I got a question for you. I want to ask you this question. If Jesus needed angels to come touch him, what makes you think you're different? Now listen to this, Bible says that Jesus was in the wilderness and he was tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. You remember that? Watch this on the screen. It said the devil leaves him and behold, angels came and ministered to Jesus. Let me ask you what they did. Did they put band-aids on him? No. Did they put gauze around him? No, he wasn't bleeding. He wasn't hurt. When the devil came, the Bible says that the devil picked him up and took him up to the pinnacle of the temple and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these. The devil picked Jesus up and carried him up there. It was Satan, it was a satanic attack. Turn this stone into bread. He waited until he was starving. You can live on your own fat for 40 days. But after that, your body goes into starvation and you begin to feed off your now your organs. And the devil waited until he was hungry and his body was feeding on itself now. And then he said, turn this stone into bread. It was a real temptation. All the temptations Jesus went through and then the Bible said whenever Jesus went through those things, the devil left him. And immediately the angels was in the sidelines. And they came in. They didn't have a basin with cold water or towels. How did they minister to him? I don't know. Only thing I know is in Gethsemane, he had to have angelic help. And in the wilderness after the temptation, he had to have angelic help. You know what I think? I think a lot of times we go through satanic attack and we get up and get around too fast. We need to wait until the angels of the Lord come. You may never see them. You may never hear any fluttering of the wings, but just wait until they touch you. And when they touch you, you know, I've been touched by God. I've been touched. I've been refreshed. I've been encouraged. I feel like I could face any devil in hell. Wait until the angels come and minister to you. And what the Holy Spirit said to me the other night was, the angels are coming. And I just got news for the church. They're coming in the political realm. They're coming in the religious realm. They're coming to places that want them. They're not going to come in places that don't want them. But I think I stand here today and I can say, Lord, send the angels to Fort Lauderdale. We want the angelic ministry of the angels of God. I'm not talking about fallen angels. I'm talking about the good angels of God that can touch us and help us in the days to come. Let me give you one last one. My time is gone just about. Let me give you one last one. How many of you here today could be honest with me now? Be honest with me. And I'm gonna raise my hand too. How many of you today can say, there's a financial need, Brother Kilpatrick? Yeah, that's what I thought. Just about everybody here. Somebody's going to attack me after service is over get this money out of my I can feel it. I I can feel it. I want some guards after the service is over. I can feel it. But listen to me. The attack of the devil will usually precede a major financial breakthrough. Let me give you a Bible example of that. It said in Acts eleven twenty-seven through 30, it said in the days came the prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch and there stood up one of the prophets named Agabus and signified by the spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man, according to his ability, determined to send relief unto their brethren which dwelt in Judea where the great drought was going to happen. In verse 30 it said, which they did, they gave this big offering and sent it by the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. The next chapter begins. That chapter ends, chapter 12 begins, verses 1 through 7. And look at this. Now about that time, when that offering had been taken and was now in the possession of Barnabas and Saul, now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he it it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter. And these were the days of unleavened bread. And when he apprehended and put him in prison, delivered him to the four quarter ones, the soldiers, to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter was kept in prison. Prayer was made without ceasing to the church. And when Herod would have brought him forth to kill him, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound in chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And the angel of the Lord came in upon him, and a light shined in prison and smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. The chains fell off from his hands. The attack took place while the offering was en route. Let me tell you this, and hear me good. I believe, and I believe the Lord sent me here this morning to tell you this, I believe that there's a blessing, a financial blessing, right at your door. And that's why the devil's been attacking you like he has. Just remember this. In the days to come, I believe God's going to bless you not with hundreds of dollars, but I believe God's going to bless you with thousands of dollars to do what you need to do and to catch up what you need to catch up and to purchase what you need to purchase and to pay your bills. While that offering is in motion, that's when the devil is stretching forth his hand to attack you, to make you think God's forgotten about you and this is never gonna come. I'm here today to tell you, the Lord sent me here to let you know it is on the way, it is right at the door. Rejoice, again I say rejoice. (laughs) Hallelujah, stand to your feet with me. Everybody, let's give God a good hand clap. Woo! Let me tell you one thing the Lord said to me the other night when He gave me that about the angels are coming. I had never thought about this before. But the Lord spoke to me and He said, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. The Holy Spirit is the guide. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete. He stands beside us as stands close to us. He's like a mother watching over us. But when it comes to delivering you, you got to have muscle. And the Holy Spirit don't have the muscle. Holy Spirit even brings the angels in when it's outside the jurisdiction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sent there to comfort and to guide. But the angels are summoned even by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a good example. And I hadn't thought about this so the Lord told me that the other night whenever I was laying in my bed. He said, you remember Peter in prison? He said Peter was laying there between two guards. <clears throat> or he was sitting there between two guards. They had him in the inner chamber. Everything was locked. He was being guarded. And the angel came in Peter was the one that preached the message on the day of Pentecost. He's the one that preached the Holy Ghost sermon. Peter is the one that was freshly baptized in the Holy Spirit and he was a tongue talker and he was in prison. He was the one that preached the message on the day of Pentecost and he was a tongue talker and he had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but he needed something more than that. He needed muscle. To get him out of it. And the Holy Spirit summoned an angel. To go in there and get Peter out of prison. Now I'm not minimizing. Don't you ever think that. I would never minimize the Holy Spirit. He is awesome. He's almighty. God's almighty. I'm not minimizing the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying even though he preached the message on the day of Pentecost. And he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit summoned the angels to come and help Peter. You remember when Jesus stood before Herod? He said to Herod, and he was contained in himself. He was the Son of God. He was Jesus. And he said to Herod, don't you know? I could talk to my father right now and ask my father to send me 12 legions of angels and he'd make a greasy spot out of you. What Jesus is saying is, these angels, I know who they are. I've seen them work. And they're going to be working all during the tribulation. They're going to be sounding trumpets. They're going to be pouring out vile judgments. They're going to be pouring out bold judgments. And I could ask my father, and he'd send me 12 legions of angels. He'd make a greasy spot out of y'all. What Jesus is saying is he believes in the power of angels. Peter believed in the power of angels. The angel come in and smote Peter and said, Wake up! And them two guards were sleeping. Peter rose up, put his sandals on, They started, and the prison door unlocked. Let me tell you something about angels. They don't fool with keys. (laughs) Say it out loud with me. Angels don't fool with keys. Angels are so powerful, locks give way before them. (laughs) Come on now. And another thing. (laughs) And another thing. The Bible said when they came to the iron gate of the city. The iron gate of the city kept out all the enemies. The Bible said when they came to the gate of the city, the angel's leading Peter out, and now he's gonna set him free. When the the gate saw the angel come, all the little tumblers in the gates and opened up. I don't know if you really know who we deal with here. We're not talking about a man. We're talking about God Almighty. Hear me, hear me. You're covered in the blood. You're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Your name is recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And God's sending the angels to help us. Oh my God. Give him praise right now. Everybody, give him praise.